Bound for Montreal has disappeared. Then, another. American Airlines Flight 131 bound for New York has disappeared. Then, another. United Flight 925 bound for Washington has disappeared. Then, another. American Airlines Flight 91 bound for Chicago has disappeared. As the reports roll in, it becomes clear that the unimaginable has happened— Al-Qaeda terrorists have hijacked seven planes carrying at least 1,500 passengers and blown them up as they crossed the Atlantic. It is the second deadliest terrorist attack in history, surpassed only by the 9-11 attack itself. The following day, as images of debris floating in the ocean fill our TV screens, the terrorists' martyrdom videos are delivered to Al Jazeera and broadcast to the world. One of the hijackers sputters, We will rain upon you such terror and destruction that you will never know peace. There will be floods of martyrdom operations and bombs falling through your lands. The ringleader of the plot, a terrorist named Abdullah Ahmed Ali, pokes his finger at the camera and declares, Sheikh Osama warned you. Now the time has come for you to be destroyed. Five years after striking the Pentagon and World Trade Towers, Al-Qaeda has launched another mass casualty attack to rival the destruction of September 11, 2001. A scenario like this did not happen, in part because the following scenario did. Just before dawn on March 1, 2003, two dozen heavily armed Pakistani tactical assault forces move in and surround a safe house in Rawalpindi. A few hours earlier, they had received a text message from an informant inside the house. It read, I am with KSM. Bursting in, they find the disheveled mastermind of the 9-11 attacks, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, in his bedroom. KSM lunges for a rifle and shoots one of the Pakistani soldiers in the foot before being finally subdued. He is taken into custody along with another senior al-Qaeda operative, Mustafa al-Hasawi, the paymaster of the 9-11 plot. In the safe house, they find a treasure trove of computers, documents, cell phones, and other valuable pocket litter. Once in custody, KSM is defiant. He refuses to answer questions, informing his captors that he will tell them everything when he gets to America and sees his lawyer. But KSM is not taken to America to see a lawyer— Instead, he is taken via a third country to a secret CIA black site in an undisclosed location. Upon arrival, KSM finds himself in the complete control of Americans. His head and face are shaved, he is stripped naked, his physical condition is documented through photographs, and he undergoes a medical exam and psychological interview. He does not know where he is, how long he will be there, or what his fate will be. Despite his circumstances, KSM still refuses to talk. He spews contempt at his interrogators, telling them that Americans are weak, lack resilience, and are unable to do what is necessary to prevent the terrorists from succeeding in their goals. He has trained to resist interrogation. When he is asked for information about future attacks, he tells his questioner scornfully, "'Soon you will know.'" It becomes clear he will not reveal the information using traditional interrogation techniques. So, he undergoes a series of enhanced interrogation techniques, approved for use only on the most high-value detainees, 
The techniques include waterboarding. His resistance is described by one senior American official as superhuman. Eventually, however, the techniques work, and KSM becomes cooperative, for reasons that will be described later in this book. He begins telling his CIA debriefers about active al-Qaeda plots to launch attacks against the United States and other Western targets. Information that leads to the arrest of operatives tasked to carry them out. He holds classes for CIA officials, using a chalkboard to draw a picture of al-Qaeda's operating structure, financing, communications, and logistics. He identifies al-Qaeda travel routes and safe havens, and helps intelligence officers make sense of documents and computer records seized in terrorist raids. He identifies voices in intercepted telephone calls and helps officials understand the meaning of coded terrorist communications. He provides information.